0: I had such a hard time this week putting together a message. I literally didn't write it until I got up at 5 this morning to write it. I got just, not frustrated, but I just, just felt like maybe I wasn't going to be able to. So either I was going to stand up here and apologize or God would help me this morning. And and he did. Uh, all week long I've known that he wanted me to talk about holiness, about sanctification. And I just could not. I've been reading it. My, my Bible study app is... Awesome. You know, for words like holiness, it'll pull you, I don't know, hundreds of scriptures in this case. And all week long, I've been reading the scriptures in the Old Testament, reading the scriptures in the New Testament that have to do with holiness, but I couldn't seem to gather, you know, a cohesive message that spoke to that. Um, so I think I have that for you. I pray, let's just pray a minute. Father, I pray. Um, Again, that, that my lips would have on your words, Lord. And if you're speaking, that I have ears to hear. And I pray that your words, your scriptures, Lord, and whatever little bit you give me to, to expound upon them, Lord, will be like the light that's to our feet, Lord. And that ears to hear are in this congregation as well as myself. And that, that we will grow in our understanding, but even more so, Lord, in our desire for holiness. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So holiness, you see in the New Testament holiness, and you see the word sanctification, and oftentimes they're translated from the same Greek word into either sanctification or holiness. And there's a there's an event of holiness that happens, of sanctification, and then there's a process of becoming more and more holy and sanctified unto God. So it's like a being set apart for God is the personification of holiness. If you were curious whether something is, is holy or not, whether a, a pursuit would be holy or not, if you can imagine God being involved in that pursuit, then it is holy. Because there is nothing about God that is unholy. He, he has no place in things that are unholy. He is totally set apart from anything that is wrong, evil, dirty, bad, in any kind of way. So the event of us becoming holy unto God happens at the point of our salvation. When sincerely in our hearts we confess Jesus as Lord and and we sincerely believe in Jesus as our Savior, we would put our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus for our eternal salvation, we become holy and set apart unto God. And we are spiritually a new creation in Christ, but we are practically not much different than we were two seconds ago before we made that sincere confession. And then this process of becoming holy, of becoming sanctified, begins in our lives. And Bob's testimony that his son could see it, he could see a change in his dad, it wasn't the same guy that he knew as a kid growing up, is evidence of that process of becoming more and more holy unto God. But it really starts with a decision. It starts with a decision. You can pray the prayer, and you can be sincere about your confession of Jesus, but you also got to understand that his call is not to be saved. It's, I mean, it is. He, he desires that none, that all would repent and that no one would be lost, but that, that that event is just the very, 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 very first step of a life with him that is called unto holiness. We are all called unto holiness. we are all called to be set aside for God, and as He shows us those areas of our lives that are not given over to him, we have to based upon our confession and based upon our love and and based upon our decision, we have to then turn those things over to him. so let me start with and i've got I don't have a huge long list of scriptures, but they're, but they're long scriptures that I want to read to you today, so bear with me if I 'm not the best reader. This is Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 14. And this is God in his covenant in the Old Testament with Israel. It reads this way. Now it shall be, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord, will go- the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if... You obey the Lord your God. See, he's calling them into holiness as it's defined by these commandments that he's given them. And he's, and he's saying, if you'll walk in this way, obedient to these commands that I've given you, this will be the fruit of your lives. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall, you, shall be the offspring of your body, and the produce of your ground, and the offspring of your beasts, the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall, be, blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you one way and will flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all that you put your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself." As he swore to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. So all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will be afraid of you. The Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the offspring of your body, and in the offspring of your beast, and in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open up for you his good storehouse, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season, and to bless the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you only will be above, and you will not be underneath. If you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today, to to observe them carefully, and do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods, to serve them. So, he's offered this... Blessing to Israel, in the context of them walking in holiness to His commands. Now, the bigger picture of this whole thing is: is God loves the whole world, and He's in the process, in His process of redeeming all of mankind unto Himself. He's chosen this people, Israel, from this man, Abraham. And he now wants to set them out. He wants them to be the light of the world. Jesus says, we are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And he wants them to see that if mankind will walk obediently with God, this is what life is going to be like. So he puts before them all these blessings. It's almost like a carrot and a stick, right? Well, it's a carrot right now. It's a stick in just a second. If you continue on in verse 15, and I'm only going to read you the beginning of the next course of scripture, but you'll get the sense of the if you don't. But it shall come about, if you do not obey the Lord your God, to observe all his commandments and his statutes, with which I charge you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground, the increase of your herd and the young of your flock. God placed before them a choice, blessing and curse, life and death. But it was based upon their willingness to participate in this covenant relationship that they'd they'd established with him. And it's not like he plucked Israel from Uh, Abraham and just slammed them into this spot where they could be blessed or they could be cursed. They were given the choice whether or not they wanted to participate in this covenant. If you look in Exodus 19 verses three through eight, you see Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the sons of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set, them, and set before them all these words with the, which the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Again, in Deuteronomy chapter 26, 17 through 19. You have have today declared the Lord to be your God. See, understand when you got saved or when I got saved, this is kind of the declaration that we made, that Jesus would be the Lord of our lives and that we would place all of our faith for our eternal salvation in the work that was done to him, his perfect life, the manner of his death, The fact that he was resurrected and ultimately ascended, that that by faith and through the lordship of Jesus, we're making a covenant agreement with him. You have today declared the Lord to be your God and that you would walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments and his ordinances and listen to his voice. The Lord has today declared you to be his people, a treasured possession as he promised you and that you should keep all his commandments, and that he will set you high above all nations which he has made for praise, fame, and honor, and that you shall be a consecrated people to the Lord your God as he has spoken. Different covenants. Same process. Israel was presented an, uh, uh, an offer by God himself through Moses that I will bless you, I will raise you up, I will make you a city on a hill. That all nations would be drawn to me through you, through what they see, through this covenant relationship that we have. Different covenant unto salvation in the blood of Jesus, but it's the same agreement. He offers to you, he offers to me, he offers to the world this heaven that would come in eternity. He offers to us to live in his spirit based upon our confession of Jesus as Lord and our faith in Jesus as Savior. The confession of Jesus as Lord is our speaking to repentance and to holiness. People will say to me, well, wait a minute, where's repentance? Well, repentance is 100% included in Jesus being the Lord of your life because Jesus would never call you to anything that was unholy. Therefore, those things that are unholy, that, that are displeasing to God, when we serve Jesus as Lord, we are repenting from those turning away from those things. Do you understand? The call to Jesus as Lord is the call to holiness. The call to serve God in his commandments to Israel was a call to holiness as defined by God in the commandments. Does it make sense? Okay. Move to the New Testament now. In Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 17. I want to say this at the end, but I want to say it to you now. You have to be so careful that... that, um, a religious spirit doesn't speak to your ears while you're hearing these scriptures. That, that that God is calling us to holiness out of love for us. When he calls us to a holy lifestyle, it's kind of like a carrot and a stick. The stick is, if we live outside of holiness, we expose ourselves to the consequences of sin in our lives. When we choose to walk in holiness, we expose ourselves to the opportunity of the blessings like he said to Israel. So when, when he says you shall be holy for I am holy, he's offering us an opportunity for blessing. It's not just God trying to be a control freak over people that he can get to submit to him. Even though you may have known some of God's people that tried to use God's word in that way, you can't let God be painted with that brush. He is holy and he demands holiness of his church. But he's a graceful God that is bringing us into holiness. There's grace. There's grace to be saved. There's grace when we stumble in serving Jesus as Lord, but there's not grace that God gives us to sin because we want to or to serve our flesh just because we want to and we say, well, it's okay because God gives us grace. No, he gives us grace in those moments when we choose to repent and confess our sins because he understands that he's working with a a vessel that is being sanctified that has not yet been totally sanctified in his son. Okay, so Hebrews twelve one through seventeen. A lot of scripture, take a breath. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Sometimes it's hard to walk in holiness. So he's saying, okay, when that time comes, consider Jesus. Think about Jesus. Think about the trials and the tribulations that he suffered on our behalf and it will encourage us to be able to walk in holiness. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, Strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification or holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See, without that sanctification or holiness, we don't get to see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up, springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. That you, or For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. Therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. <clears throat> see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. The, the grace of God is that opportunity for holiness. If there be in the body weak limbs, our job is to come alongside Joe had a word for us a couple Sundays ago about bearing one another's burdens so that nobody should fall short of the full grace of God in their lives. Not the grace that that will allow you to continue to be found in Christ Jesus when you make a mistake in sin, but the grace that actually rises you up to full-on holiness like Jesus. That's the call. That's the opportunity. Remember, if you've ever had a sin, you say, man, you just don't know me. I I can't, I can't, I can't. But I say, yes, you can. Because in the Holy Spirit, you are no longer a slave to sin. Sin is not the master of you. There is a time in our lives before Jesus where sin could overwhelm us, but that time is not in the Holy Spirit. There is no power of sin that overwhelms us. Now, it might deceive us, and it might trick us, and we might actually sin. There's grace for that. But you are not overwhelmed. Your master now is righteousness, not slave anymore, or sin anymore, as a slave. 1 Peter 1, 14-16 kind of describes that grace in a process. It says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. He says, sanctification, holiness, sorry, I've lost myself for just a minute here. He says, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which, which are not holy, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. So so holiness is something that's to be pursued. It's to be sought after. It's not something that... that um, Just overwhelms the flesh. It's something that needs to be pursued. And part of that pursuit, I think, is pursuing God Himself. Esau is an example that's used in the scripture. See, Esau was the firstborn. His birthright was the birthright of the first son. And he came out of the wilderness and he was hungry and his brother had cooked up some stew. And he said, Hey, you know, I'm hungry. Let me have some of that stew. And the brother said, Sure, you can have a bowl of the stew for your birthright. And the the reason that that's a picture for us is he made a trade. There's a time when something that's outside of holiness is going to come and make itself attractive to us. And God said, in Esau's case, there was no place for repentance. After he realized that he'd given away his birthright, he couldn't get it back. He walked out of, I mean, holiness, maybe it's not a perfect analogy to holiness, but it's the picture that they're using to show us that you make decisions. Esau made a decision. He wasn't going to die if he didn't eat some of that stew. But he gave away what God had given him for a bowl of stew. And he's telling us, don't do that. When you're confronted with that hunger that might cause you to ask for that bowl of stew, and you're going to give away your holiness, part of you that's sanctified unto God, resist the stew. And if you've got a brother or sister, a weak limb that might find themselves in that position, that's why it's so important for us to be transparent with one another. And it's so important for us to be honorable because if someone comes to us in transparency in a struggle and they find out that we told the world about their struggle, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have to deal with God when you have to give an account for your life that you were a whisperer. But that person is now going to find themselves in a place where it's harder to get help when they need it. Because you turned on them. So we have to be honorable people. When someone's got a problem, we've got to come alongside and love and care for them so that they don't take and trade their birthright for a bowl of soup. Because that's the temptation and that's the picture that God's given us. James 4, 1 through 8. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask, and so... Can I just tell you something? We were going to... This I don't even know if this may be a bad Dory Trail, but we were going to adopt two girls, Tanya and Regina. Regina didn't want to be adopted anymore. So for... Eight months, we continue to pray for Regina, continue to pray. Finally, we're getting ready to go. Ask Regina, we asked the lady in Ukraine, ask Regina if maybe she changed her mind, that we would still like her to be our daughter. Comes back and says, no, she doesn't want to be your daughter. Okay, but there's a girl in the orphanage, and she wants a family. She asked me to find her a family, so I'm asking you to consider her that second Tanya. You don't get because you don't ask. If she'd have just been shy... And just said, well, you know, if it's God's will it'll happen. She needed to ask. And because she asked the lady, the lady asked us. And because she asked us, she's got a family now. I don't know if that has anything to do with this, but it seemed like a good story. You need to ask. But ask for those things that are righteous and holy and good, like having a family, and God will hear those. Okay, back on track here. You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your Pardon me. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James talks about our one foot in. Remember last week I said we can't just kind of tickle the fringes of the kingdom and really be in the kingdom. It's a binary thing. You're either in or you're not you can't be sort of in. It's like being pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're not like sort of pregnant. You're either all the way or you're not. And that's what he's telling us. He's like, when you start to make friends with the world, when when you walk outside of holiness, you're like a person cheating on their husband or their wife. You're You're literally one given unto God. And in that giving of yourself unto God, you've committed yourself unto holiness. And now you're acting like someone who is cheating on their spouse. And interesting, if you read about... Marriage, biblical marriage, once you sign up in that covenant, that godly covenant between a man and a wife, there are very few reasons that, that God will allow you to break that covenant. One of them is adultery. I think it's important that he used the word adulterous because he's trying to make us understand that if we will choose, it's one thing to stumble and fail, it's another thing to choose. If we stumble and fail, we confess our sins, and He is holy and righteous to forgive us our sins, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But if we choose a lifestyle of ungodliness, unholiness, it's like being an adulteress. And and then He has the right, based upon how He gives us our order, to divorce us. He gives a greater grace. He's opposed to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. If we choose some element of lifestyle that's outside of holiness, and and I mean, you and I probably have areas of our lives that are outside of holiness that we aren't even aware of. There are levels of selfishness that God has shown me in my own heart. When he showed me the first one, it was so, it was an easy one. No matter how terribly selfish I've been, he showed it to me, I repented from it, and I've been able to walk that way. And I thought, yay, God, God. Man, that wasn't so hard. We've gained victory over selfishness. And then at some time later, in my prayer time, he showed me my own heart. I don't even know how to describe it to you. And the depth of my selfishness was so great that it it almost made me scared to think that I could be that way. But I was. I was confronted with it. Well, until that point, I didn't have an issue with God because I was totally unaware. So there are areas where... We have, we're not walking in holiness that that are not necessarily an issue because we're not aware of them. But when we become aware of them and we continue to walk in them, that's pride. And there is no grace for pride. Pride is like a, 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 a poison snowball rolling downhill, gaining size as it goes down the hill, because pride can only be overcome by grace. So if we humble ourselves before the Lord and we say, Oh Lord, wow, I never knew, please, and you cry out to him, Lord, help me to be delivered from this selfishness that's in my heart, grace comes because we're humbling himself before his desire for holiness and grace will help us to get there. But if we say, Lord, listen, you know, I eat the small piece of chicken now and that's good enough as far as selfish or selflessness is concerned, I'm sorry, but these things I'm just not willing to do then we get into a place where there is no grace. And outside of grace, no change is going to happen. And then what becomes next is a hardened heart, where we don't even have the ability to recognize these areas. So it's so important that as God makes us aware of those places that he's sanctifying in our lives, that we say yes to him. We exhibit humility before God and not pride so that the grace can come to actually make the change. Because outside of God's grace, Bob's son comes to visit and sees the same guy he's always seen. It's not by Bob's strength. It's only by Bob's agreement that any transformation has happened. It's by the strength of the Holy Spirit that the change happens. Psalm 15. It's all of Psalm 15. But it's a beautiful picture of how God sees holiness. You have to, I'm asking you to see it from that perspective. The psalmist says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? The Lord answers back, he who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart, he does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a reprobate reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. So that's that's an example of, of areas of holiness that God is looking for from his people, from us. And it's interesting, this is just a little sidebar, but I read that and the one part of the verse that says, he swears to his own hurt and does not change. I had no idea what that meant. And sometimes commentaries are helpful, but you know what, sometimes... Other Bible translations are helpful. So um, I love the New American Standard because it's literal. But sometimes literal is hard to understand. So I looked in the New Living Translation. I looked in the New International Version. And here's how NIV, I'll read you NASB and then NIV. He who swears to his own heart and does not change. I don't get it. He who keeps his oath even when it hurts. I get that. So what he's saying is the kind of person that God is calling us to be is a person whose yes is yes and whose no is no. So that when we make an oath, when we make a vow, when we make a commitment, just like a covenant to God, what he's looking for is someone who stands by his word. So if you're reading scriptures and, and you're struggling with understanding what a verse is trying to say, really helpful sometimes to just, if you have internet Bible Gateway or Blue Letter Bible or all these different tools, you can see multiple parallel translations that will help you to interpret what the Word is trying to say to us. And then finally, this will be the last scripture for today and I'll wrap this up. 1 John 1, 6 and 7. See, I believe that, I believe that my personal um, holy walk, my personal sanctification unto God can't happen without my... Fellowshipping with God. Without Him to reveal Himself to me, I can't serve someone I don't know. Right? I couldn't love God if He wouldn't reveal Himself to me. Now, He reveals Himself in His Word, and that's really awesome. And if it's all I had, I know that God could get me to the place of holiness through just reading His Word. But I'm not that strong a guy, seriously. Right? So I want to know God. I want to experience God. I want to be with God. And the more that he reveals himself to me, right, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The revelation of his glory causes me to want to walk in holiness. When I can understand who he is, I can't help but respond in love. And love towards God is demonstrated as obedience to him. So 1 John 1, 6 and 7, is, is, it's, it's a beautiful verse for me personally. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, that's us and him, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So, I don't perceive that I have anything of myself to walk in the light, but I know God is able to walk me in the light. So I pursue after God, and I'm asking you to pursue after God. And I know some of you are 10 miles ahead of me, but some of you might be a half a foot behind me. And if you can get some encouragement or some edification or or some understanding from hearing what God's heart is towards his church in the area of holiness, and if you'll decide that it's not about legalism, it's not about you better do this or else, even though to some extent it's kind of true, It's about a love walk. It's about a relationship. It's about a God who is so perfectly holy that he can't compromise himself. Looking down at a people who are so filthy in their sin that he can't have relationship with them, that he would take his very son and he would say, you have to, if you will, Jesus said yes, if you will, you have to be the lamb on which all that sin has to be poured and all the wrath for that sin has to be poured so that... I can have relationship and you can have relationship with these people that we love so much. See, God didn't wait for us to be sinless to send the Son. He sent the Son while we were yet sinners. So someone that says, hey, I can't go to church or I can't whatever until I clean myself up, they don't understand the gospel one bit. You go to Jesus and he cleans you up. You say yes. So when, when you hear a preacher call you unto holiness, it's that we would be a city on a hill. Right, The light's got to come on. But if we don't walk in holiness, there's nothing that anybody is being drawn to. Jesus is holy. God is holy. And he said, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Or for I am holy, you shall be holy. One way or the other. His holiness can be imputed not to us just in a positional situation, like we're saved, holy unto God. But in an actual practical sense, we can walk in holiness. The scripture talked about discipline. And you have to see discipline the way God is presenting discipline. Otherwise, what you'll see is guilt. And, and if, you get, if you get a mind that sees yourself as guilty, even if it's true, it's not the issue. The issue isn't your guilt. The issue is the sincerity of our hearts towards God, whom we love. And as he reveals himself to us, our hearts are more and more turned towards him. Uh, Paul says in Romans 8, the first verse, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's the thing that we have to understand, is as God disciplines us as sons and daughters that he loves, it's unto our benefit. right? If your child is, is um, running out in the street after a ball, and, and you give them a crack on the butt, and the next time the ball goes out there, they remember you protect them from getting hit by a car. Now they might say, you're a mean dad. You you cracked me on the bum. But you did it because you wanted it to be something that they would remember so that they wouldn't be in a place of danger. That's all God's discipline is for us. It's to help us to stay in that place of his grace and his protection. And in the context of that, we shine like Jesus to the world and draw more people unto him so he can show them his love as well. Amen? Okay, so I'm just asking you to be open to the Lord. He's doing it with me right now in a certain area of my life. And it's a hard release because it's gray. You know, it's like, God, would you just part the skies and just tell me for sure. But honestly, my heart knows. And, and now my flesh is going to have to come into alignment with what my heart really knows, but I'm trying to like, you know, la, 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 it, It's like the guy who's got a big tumor on his side, and it's like, if I don't go to the doctor, it's not cancer, because I don't have to know. It can't be like that. It has to be honest and sincere, and then trusting that God will take us out of nothing that doesn't bring us into something better. All right? That's the prayer. That's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to submit yourselves to the Lord for your benefit remember Israel at the beginning if you will obey me in these commands look at how I will I will just bless you so much but if you don't I can't and I think honestly the bible says that god's son and his reign these are both good things fall on the just and the unjust so people that don't know jesus that have no accord for god get blessed and people that know god get blessed They can do it even in their sin, but God cannot bless us in our sin because it sets the wrong picture for the people that he's trying to draw unto him. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth. And if we would be submitted to your truth, you can bring the blessings of heaven into our lives so that we can be generous people. We can be lenders and not borrowers, Lord. That we can be lovers of our neighbors, God. Lovers of you, Lord, we submit ourselves to your holiness. We commit ourselves to, as you expose us to these things, Lord, that we will surrender them unto you, and we will be humble so that we can have the grace to do it. I ask your blessing over each and every one of us, Lord. I ask that the power of your kingdom, that everything that inhibits the power of your kingdom to flow through us, Lord, that you would help us to eliminate those things so that we truly are a glowing city on a hill. The lights are on, everybody's home, your home. Holy Spirit resides here. We might be a blessing and we might be an excellent representative of you and your Son in this world. And I prayed in Jesus' name.